Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service on May 23rd. The title of this message is Generous Life, a generous response to a generous God. And we're talking about the relationship between money and faith following Jesus. So have a message on this podcast followed by a 20 or 30 minute time of questions and answers at the end about the subject of money and Christianity. So hopefully you'll find this helpful in your own spiritual journey. So let's go to the talk. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web, northshorevineyard.org. Some of y'all were thinking, uh, I knew they were gonna. I knew it was gonna t- get to a point where they're gonna start singing about money and passing around the offering. That's right. Okay, it is a logistical uh, nightmare trying to get up or down from this stage. Okay. Um, as I warned a few weeks ago. At some point, we were going to uh, uh, deal with the di- deal with the issue of money and the Christian life. And I got to tell you, this is kind of historic in my life because in all my years of ministry, I have never once spoken publicly about money. So it's not one of my favorite subjects to kind of talk about with people because, honestly, you know, I grew up in the '80s. Anybody grew up in the '80s? You know, in the 80s, there was a lot of televangelists, and there was a lot of, you know, people saying, just give me your money, and, and God will make you rich. And, and there's been kind of so many abuses when it comes to money and Christianity that I've kind of, like, overreacted to the opposite end of, wow, I don't ever want to be associated with that group of people or that kind of idea. And so, hey, I'll just not talk about it ever. And so that's kind of the, the path I've been on for 15 years in fact, this week, I don't know if anybody caught the evening news, there was a few investigative reports into some, some local ministries, uh, churches that, uh, you know, have, have 
been doing some not so um, great things with the money that they've been taking in. And um, so I thought, you know, out of all the weeks I'm going to be talking on money, that, that's kind of the stuff coming out. But um, anyway, I figure it is, your money does represent your time. It represents a big part of your life. And it is certainly a discipleship issue. So I'm hoping that today, talking about it, we will, uh, for those of you who've maybe been in church a long time, maybe you'll, you'll find some more freedom concerning money. Those of you that are just new Christians, maybe you'll, you'll start uh, learning some new things. So um, this is a very in-depth topic, so that's kind of why we only did one song to start off with. If, if, if I don't completely use up all our time this morning, we'll, we'll get back up and uh, sing some more songs together and um, worship God. But uh, today, I, I want to say one other thing that, that as I go, I realize some questions may come up on things that I say. And uh, it's hot in here, isn't it? We got two, we got two air conditioners running. Yeah, it feels good right here. But uh, uh, I, I understand that I'm not going to cover all the issues, and certainly some things I may say may bring up some questions in your mind. So I'm going to try to save some time here at the end for a question and answers. I actually sent out, if you're on our church email list, I sent out an email saying, give me your hardest questions, and some people sent me in some hard questions. So I, I welcome any, any questions you have. I, I think that church should be a place where you can ask questions, not where you're just told answers. So, uh, so at the end, we'll do a little Q&A time. So... Anybody got any questions? I'm not going to ask you yet. So, um, so I'm just going to open us up with a word of prayer here, and then, then we'll jump into it. Uh, Lord, today we just we ask your spirit to, to speak truth to our hearts this morning. Lord, that, that we could encounter you and, uh, and, and really just understand uh, what you're saying and, 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 and your spirit. That, God, we could, we could learn how to be generous people like the generous God that we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, to, today, I want to start kind of by framing the, the question of money and the role of money in the Christian life with a parable of Jesus. This is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter's probably thinking, you know, forgiving somebody twice, three times, that's hard enough to do. Seven times, that's probably up there with Jesus' kind of forgiveness, right? (laughs) And Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And Jesus goes on to elaborate his answer by saying this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. That'd be like the equivalent of millions of dollars. A big, a big chunk of change. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and for payment to be made. Now understand, back in, in, in the time that Jesus is giving this parable, there was no such thing as chapter 11 bankruptcy. <laughs> If you racked up a debt that you couldn't pay, guess what happened? You got sold into slavery. So this guy is facing slavery. He's going to be enslaved, him and his wife and his kids. They're going to be enslaved forever. And since he could not pay, uh, okay, his, his, his master orders him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. It's kind of a silly thing because the guy racked up a debt that he probably could never pay back. So um, he says, have patience for me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found his fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. This would be the equivalent of 50, 100 bucks in our uh, modern time. And And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay me what you owe. He didn't even ask the guy if he had it. He just starts choking him. <laughs> Give me my money. <laughs> so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. 
And he refused and went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then their master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, I thought we were talking about money. You're bringing out a parable that talks about forgiveness. Uh, That is true. (laughs) But I, I think there's a principle that we can find here that needs to frame our understanding of our relationship to money. And the first thing is that when we come to God, we don't bring anything to the table. When I came to God, I shared my testimony a few, few weeks back. I was a mess. I was in debt. My own righteousness, my, on my best day, my own good efforts could not make things right. Anybody ever experienced that before? <laughs> and so, you know, the best I could do wasn't turning my life around. And so what did I do? I cried out to God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. And you know what? That's exactly what God did. He forgave me of my sins. He wiped my debt clean. He gave me his spirit. He changed me. But in the same way, Jesus is saying that that if you've received such great mercy, such great forgiveness, how can you then go act differently to other people? How can you act unmerciful? How can you be judgmental, as we talked about last week? How can you be greedy? How can you not be generous in light of the reality of what God's done for you? And so the, 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 the main thing that I want us to learn here this morning, that's why I call the message a generous life, a generous response to a generous God. Because I think that sums up our attitude with money, that our resources, and not just our money, our resources, our time, our emotional availability to people, our presence, that, that we are generous in all those aspects. Why? Because we've been shown such amazing generosity. Now, if you've never responded to God you know, and, and said, God, forgive me of my sins, you know, then, then it may not be your initial response. So why do we forgive? It's a response to the generosity of God. And the second thing that I want to kind of frame our understanding of giving is that, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, and by the way, if, you, if, you're, if you're new here, I recommend go online and, and listen to the past few weeks because I've, I've been lay, trying to lay kind of a theological foundation for where we are as a church, and it will immensely help you, hopefully. Um, on some of these things. But the Old Covenant, the Old Testament in your Bible, it's actually, you know, some people call it the Old Covenant because it talks about the Old Covenant. God established a special relationship with the Jewish people. He said, I'm going to carve you out as a nation and, and I'm going to do a certain thing with you. And he set up the parameters of that covenant. And what was it? It was the Torah, the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law was like 613 laws. And they governed everything from how you worship to what you eat, to uh, your relationships with other people and things like that. And so that was the markers of the Old Covenant, was following the law. That's why uh, if you see a, an Orthodox Jew to this day, they're easy to pick out of a crowd. You know, you could say, wow, that's a, I, I, I recognize that guy's an Orthodox Jew because they dress a certain way, they abide by certain things, they follow Sabbath-keeping, circumcision, stuff like that, which I'm sure was not a real popular idea with Abraham when God brought it up the first time. Um, <laughs> You want what, God? Um, (laughs) But following the law was what marked them. That's what identified them as a people from all the other nations around them. All the other nations didn't follow circumcision, Sabbath-keeping, dietary laws, worship the way that they did. It marked them. But like I said a few weeks back, the markers for Jesus' followers For those of us who are Christ followers, it's not the following of the Old Testament law anymore. What is it? It's loving God as evidenced by following Jesus and loving other people. What did Jesus said? He was approached with with the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the two concepts that I want us to frame our, our, our mentality of giving because that's kind of the foundation that that we love God and we love other peoples and th- other peoples, uh, other people. <laughs> and our love for other people can't just be a sense of, I love my kids. 
I love Aerosmith or whatever, you know. I love pizza. <laughs> our love has to be, it has to get down into the actual way we live our lives, right? Which, does, does anybody's life include money here, right? Some of you say not enough, but. Uh, <laughs> so. We give, number one, as a response to the generosity of God. Secondly, because it's part of the markers of our lives as, as, as New Testament Christians, as New Covenant people. It, it marks us in our love. It's part of our love. Now, let's get down to some practicalities here. Uh, we are going to cover a whole lot of Scripture, and so just deal with that. Um, <laughs> some practicalities. The Apostle Paul was writing to the, to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9. 6 through 15, and we're going to kind of look at a few passages here. And this is just real practical stuff on giving. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul lays it out here from the get-go, and we're going to get into more of these things how should we give we give cheerfully how do you give cheerfully it's it's understanding how much god has loved you you know when you encounter i I, i'm telling you when you encounter the love the forgiveness the generosity of god it'll make you cheerful inside (laughs) and paul is saying give from that place we don't give to god to make us righteous we don't give to god because it increases our standing with god you know, we don't bring anything to the table here. God's not asking us to give because it, it helps our standing with God. We give cheerfully as a response to God. We don't give to get blessed. We give because in Jesus, we are blessed. And that's pretty key here, okay? Because a lot of people in Christianity kind of make it, give your money so you can get blessed. But no, we start off blessed. <laughs> we're as blessed as we're ever going to be in Jesus, You can't get more blessed than Jesus, right? Don't shout me down now. I said you can't get more blessed than Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) So number one, we give cheerfully. We don't give out of guilt like, oh, I I need to write a check to, to, you know, because God, you know, that's what I'm required to do. Or because some preacher made me feel bad about it. No, no, we don't give out of that reasoning. We don't give to to keep our finances uncursed, as I did for many years. (laughs) We give cheerfully. Secondly, Paul says, puts in the idea here of sowing and reaping. Now, in my early years of Christianity, I was around a lot of churches that, at least if they didn't wholly subscribe to the idea of the prosperity gospel, it at least influenced a lot of their uh, theology. And so I, I routinely attended churches where there would be a 15 to 20 minute message before they pass the offering and then sometimes if they pass it around there wasn't enough money in there (laughs) somebody come tell the pastor uh we need to pass it around again (laughs) we gotta pass this thing around again (laughs) uh and and a lot of people in the prosperity gospel kind of mentality had taken this idea that Paul says about sowing and reaping, and they say, if you just sow into this ministry, if you just send me your money, God's going to make you rich. Well, let's look into what Paul's saying here. He's not saying it's a matter of giving money to get something. It's not a formula. Giving is not a formula uh, that you can work. There is a principle of sowing and reaping, but what Paul is getting at, what's he say in verse 8? He says, um, After he's talked about sowing and reaping, he said, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So so what's what's Paul saying here? He's saying we give cheerfully. It's whatever we sow, we reap. But you know what I think he's getting down to is you can sow into a generous way of living. What, what, what did we talk about last week? Jesus said, if you judge people, you're going to be judged. If you condemn people, you're going to be condemned. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you give, it'll come back to you. The idea is not, not that you work a principle on how to get rich. but The idea is you began to get transformed on the inside of your heart. It changes you. When you become a giver, you become more generous, more open-handed, 
more forgiving. And honestly, that's the stuff we need. Reality is, I know a lot of rich people who don't have grace in their lives to get through anything. And you know what? When a recession comes, when they lose their job, when the finances shake, guess what? They're shaking too because their hope is in their finances. Paul is saying, God, as we are generous, God gives us grace to get through anything. You know, I find it hard to make Paul's message about prosperity for, for one major reason. When I look at the way the Apostle Paul lived, if you, if you ever read through the book of Acts and kind of get a, do a little study on Paul, we find out that he was shipwrecked. He went from being shipwrecked to washed up on shore, being bitten by a snake. He was, uh, some people stoned him a couple of times <laughs> within an inch of his life. He was flogged. He was uh, naked. He was imprisoned on various occasions. So if Paul was following this kind of prosperity gospel, he was really lousy at it. Because <laughs> most people in the prosperity movement these days would say, oh, Paul, you're not living right. You don't have enough faith. No, Paul had plenty of faith. But, but what he was doing with his resources was not about him. Not about him just getting a bigger house and a, and a nice boat to cruise around the Mediterranean and, and visit the churches. It was always serving. So sowing and reaping is not, not so much about a formula of, of how we can get more stuff for us. It's about a quality of life that we're sowing into that can stand up. Because Paul says, God will give you a grace that can abound through anything. And I've got to tell you, that's what I want. Money, come and go. But if you've got that grace of God to sustain you, it doesn't matter. If, you know, like Paul said in uh, Philippians 4, he says, I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances. Paul had worse circumstances than most of us want to ever think about. I don't want to be bitten by a snake. Um, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. See, Paul found the source of contentment was in God. And you got that, you can be imprisoned. You can be shipwrecked. You can be snake-bitten. You can be you know, stoned, and you got contentment. You have peace that transcends circumstances, peace that's not diluted by trials and tribulations, by economic collapse or calamities. The fourth thing that Paul gets on here, he says in verse uh, 11, he says, uh, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Again, a lot of people in the prosperity mo- movement will take, and you will be made rich in every way, and they stop there. Like, that, like that's the point. But what's Paul say? So you can be generous on every occasion. So again, I said something a few weeks back. I think if we, if we get a church bumper sticker, we'll say this. You are not the point. You are not the point of everything Jesus did. You're not it. You're not the end of it. You're a point. You're a point in what he is doing. Does he want to bless you? Yes. Does he want you to experience his love? Yes. Does he want you to experience his peace? Yes. But it's not just about you. It's about what God is trying to do in the earth through you. God's blessing you. So you can be a blessing. And that's what Paul's getting here. God will make you rich in every way so you can be generous. I love, uh, what's the guy who wrote the, uh, the, the Purpose Driven Life? Rick Warren. He, uh, a, a few years ago, he came out with this book, The Purpose Driven Life, and it sold like ridiculous amount. I think it was outselling the Bible for a while. Uh, <laughs> like 40 million copies or something. And you know what, what he did? He figured out what, what he had made in his salary at his church over all the years, and he paid it back to the church. And then, instead of giving 10% of his income to the church, he started giving 90% of it and living on 10%. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't you want to take the, the, the more money that God's giving you and, and get bigger houses and, and, and more stuff, more technology, more toys? I mean, 40 million books, that's a lot of dough. 
No, he learned how to live simply. And he saw that the increase was not just about him. It was about what God was doing. And so so now he's living on 10 percent. Now, uh, honestly, his 10 percent, a lot bigger than my 10 percent. But uh, (laughs) but I think that that's somebody who gets it, that that God makes you rich, not just money but anything that God gives you is not just about you it's always looking outward to the needs of others it's always looking to connect others with God so I kind of touched on a little bit of the why we give the how we give let's look at the where we give Acts 4 verse 32 this is a snapshot of the early church they were they were Real new in this thing. All the believers were in one heart and mind. Verse 32. And no one claimed that that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared with everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses and so sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. We see two kinds of giving here. One is what I would call giving to the church organized, and the other is what I'd call giving to the church organic. What is the church organic? I, I, I just kind of made that term up, but it, it, it seems like a good term. Um, <laughs> the church organic is the people that God connects you with on your journey. For instance, you may have been coming to this church for a few weeks, and, then, and now you're starting to, to build some relationships with some other people, and you're, you're starting to meet with them on a regular basis outside of the church. You're hanging out. Maybe you're getting together with, with someone to pray each week. I know I've, I've met a few people here, and we get together uh, you know, uh, one hour a week just to kind of pray for each other and talk about things. And, and uh, But that's the church organic. Those are the people that God, you sense that God is connecting you with in your journey. And you have an obligation that if God's putting people in your life, to to give to them if you see needs. That's what we saw that the church of Acts, they got such a glimpse of the kingdom of God, they just opened up their hands. Nobody considered anything their own possessions. They were always looking to the needs of others. How can I help? What do I have? You know, Dina and I have been practicing this to some extent uh, for, for a good bit. You know, about a year and a half ago, there was a lady that God brought into our life. She was a single mom with two kids and, and you know, just having a rough time with things, you know, just, just making the bills. She had a flat tire. Somebody slashed her tire. It wasn't like a repairable one. One of her neighbors slashed her tire. So did we call up the Kenner Vineyard and say, hey, yeah, we got this lady. Can we get some money to, to fix her tire? <laughs> No, we didn't call up the church and expect the church to do it. We saw ourselves as the church. And what did we do? We went out and got a new tire. Why? Because we recognized that God had put her in our life for a reason. And she had a need, and we had, we had the means to meet that need. You know, a year and a half ago, my dad gave me this old Pontiac Grand Dam because he was going to get my stepmom a new car which meant that when he gave that to us, we all of a sudden we had one extra vehicle. We had this Toyota pickup that I've been driving since like 1996. And I uh, love that truck. And uh, <laughs> God brought someone into our life that after, after Hurricane Katrina, this guy was, was in recovery, getting off drugs, and, and he was getting his life. He he'd had a couple of years of, of, of you know, getting on a good path and he, he was he was encountering God and God was just doing amazing things with him he, he was getting a steady job and uh, I, I saw him one day and I felt God put him on my heart that you know this guy doesn't have a vehicle why don't you offer it to him so I did it's like hey man you need a truck dude do I ever he was he was having to like spend four hours of his day just connecting with buses to get over to where his job was I had I had something that could help him in his life so I didn't consider it my own. I just gave it to him. I made him pay for the tags. But um. <laughs> but that's giving to the church organized. And, and look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to say that, that we're anything special here. We have been on the receiving side of, of God's giving 
on so many occasions I can't begin to tell you. There were times in our, our marriage where we were sincerely trying to seek first the kingdom of God and do what God had called us to, and all the work would dry up in our lives. And, and you know, I was doing landscaping and playing music, and sometimes you, you'd hit times where there's no music gigs and no landscaping and, and, and no money coming in for a month. And this was, you know, it starts getting scary. And then all of a sudden, somebody come up with us with a check. They didn't even, I, God just put it on their hearts. They gave it to us. And it's like, dude, you know, we were able to pay the bills. We haven't gone without anything. And I can tell you, there's been some times in my marriage where I look back on some of my tax returns. I'm like, it's crazy. Like in our first couple of years of marriage, like we were like three or $4,000 below the poverty level in Louisiana, <laughs> which is like really low poverty level. You know what I mean? And, and, and God took care of us. We never went without, never, never went without. God took care of everything we had. And a lot of times, and, and the way he did that was with the body of Christ. A lot of times, but you know, he expected the same of us. So even when we didn't hardly have anything, we were always trying to give what little bit we had to other people. So there's giving to the church organic, then there's giving to the church organized. What we see in the scripture is that they came and they gave their money and put it at their feet. I'm, I think we're going to start doing offerings like that. You know, have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, oh no, that, I knew we were going to turn into that church. Uh, <laughs> They gave to the church organized. And the apostles, you know, a lot of people try to look back at the, at the church of Acts and say, oh, it was just this, you know, God was moving. There was no organization to it. No, there was a lot of organization to it. It, it, it wasn't organization for the sake of being organized, though. It, 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 was, it was organization around the life of God. So the apostles would take the money that the people brought to them, and what did they do? They started coming up with ways that they could organize to take care of the needs in the community. So one of the things you can see in, in the book of Acts is, is pretty quickly they started coming up with a feeding program for widows. Because if you were a widow back in that day, bad news. Bad news at that culture at that time. You were, it's kind of like you're homeless. You're, you're, you're just in trouble. So they started taking care of the widows. They started taking the money, buying food, and organizing ways to take care of the people in their midst. They also organized ways to take care of other churches that were going through hard times. You can see examples of that. And they took care of people who were called into full-time ministry, like Paul and Peter. There were some people who, who, uh, and Stephen who had devoted their life to that. So part of our giving needs to be to the, to the church organic. I don't think, you know, I, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of my friends in ministry probably wouldn't think that that's a, a, a legit way. I think there's not enough of people in the church actually giving to one another. I think that's totally legitimate. I think you, you want to experience like some awesome things, just, just give, give money to people around you or stuff or whatever you got, you know? But also we give to the church, organized. We, we give to something bigger than us. There's something about giving, releasing your control of money. You know, it's one thing, you know, when you can give to somebody and, and see directly where that money goes. It's another thing to take your hands off of it and trust, <laughs> trust it to someone else. And... Uh, and that's another part of it. But that's part of what God wants to use to deal with our hearts as well and part of kingdom life. The, the early church, they brought their money to the leadership and the leaders. Now, now, I think there needs to be accountability and all that stuff. I think certainly people can abuse that and stuff. But we give to the church. We give to something bigger than us. Um, and the, the, the other thing is we give to the church local. I believe that there is a precedence that if you feel like God's calling you to a certain, connecting you with a certain group of people, a certain church, I think that, that there is a precedence for, for giving to that because you're a part of it. You're, you're partaking of it. You're, you're a part of what's going on there. I, you know, that's why even here around things that we do around the church, I try to do as little around here as I can. I mean, not in a sense of being lazy, but, you know, I know churches that are 2,000 people that have one sound guy. We got pe three people right now that do sound, and we're about to recruit another. We, we try to spread, sp get as many people involved in as many aspects as we can, so we all own this thing. We got all kinds of people that do coffee, all kinds of people that do children's ministry, all kinds of people that do music. It's not about getting one little group of people that can just do it for everybody. Know that we all have ownership in this, and we all, we all participate, whether it's serving or whether it's our money, giving to support the thing. So, um, and then one last thing, I think giving, and I don't think I put it in your, your outline, but I think giving to the mission of God. Uh, I, there's a guy that used to go to the Kinder Vineyard, ended up in Austin at a church over there. I love what they do. They got a small group that they meet a couple times a month to study the Bible, pray for each other and stuff. But they also, they also 
um, collect some of their money together to, to meet the needs of, of some things that they find in the community. So they just kind of take up some offerings over time and, and you know, find some, some ways that they can bless others. Well, there was a, a fire in Austin that devoured a lot, of, a lot of houses in this predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. So what did they do? Immediately, they start going down there to this relief center and they start buying Walmart cards of their own money and passing them out to these people. They start collecting clothes and different items that they could start helping these people rebuild their lives. But you know what even got crazier? This is like crazy Christianity. They agreed to all cancel their, their cable subscription for a few months so they could free up the money that they would normally spend on their TV to help other people get the basic things they needed to live. I heard that. I'm like, dude, that's like Jesus. <laughs> And as soon as Lost is over tonight, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but there's a sense of, of, of sacrificial giving, not just giving, not just giving when it's easy, but I'm going to actually sacrifice something on my end so that somebody who else who doesn't have something can have it. Dude. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that because I'm, I'm getting convicted. Okay. Um, Last thing I want to get to, and then we'll get to some questions here. Um, how do we give? How should we give? I think a good thing to do is to um, to incorporate some discipline in our life when it comes to giving. I, I was going to show a, a, one of my gardening video blogs today, but I figured I got too much to say. You can go to my blog and check it out. But a few weeks ago, Paul over here, wave Paul. He's our bass player. He's done a lot more gardening than I had, and, and so he, he offered to come over and help me stake up my tomato plants. Because my tomato plants, which I did eat squash last week for the first time, out of my garden, and one jalapeno. Yeah, all right, it's working. Uh, our tomato plants, they, they were growing like so crazy, they were like flipping over and stuff. And, and so Paul came over, he's like, here's what you need to do. We need to stake these things up, put some cages around them. So we put these stakes in the ground and then tied the, the tomato plants to the stakes. Why did we do that? Well, we, we, we added some structure so that there could be more fruit. See, a lot of times in the Christian life, we don't like the idea of structure. We don't like discipline. But you know what? Discipline actually frees us up so that we can bear more fruit in our life. And so I, I think when it comes to giving, we need to be disciplined with it. Have you ever noticed, if, if you have a budget, if you, if you live on a budget, which I, I would recommend, it's a good place to, to, to start. Uh, actually, Josh McIntyre, who's back there teaching the kids this week, but in a couple of weeks, God's really gifted him with, with being able to help people with their finances. So he, he'll, he'll even set up some appointments. If you're just in, a, in a, a financial tough spot, you need somebody to kind of give you some perspective on what you could do to, to get a budget going and get out of debt, he'll, he'll set up some appointments with you. But um, where was I going with all this? Structure and discipline. <laughs> Budget, that's where I was, budget. But uh, I found that if we have money that comes in and I haven't budgeted a place for it, what's going to happen to that money? It's going to spend it. It's going to be gone. We, we will spend everything we take in. You can always find one more thing to spend money on, right? So when it comes to, to, to giving, we need to discipline. Set aside a portion of your income to, to, to generosity. Let that be part of your life. You know what, what happens with disciplines, whether it's prayer or whether it's reading your Bible, uh, whether it's solitude, the spiritual disciplines. You, you do these things, and they feel awkward at first. You know, if you've never set aside money continually to give, it kind of feels weird. Like, ah, I don't know about this. It, just the same way as you ever notice prayer kind of feels weird when you try it. <laughs> uh, but the idea is once you get disciplined at it, it becomes the way you do your life. Pretty much, pretty soon you learn how to live on, on the other chunk of money, and you learn that, wow, I can actually live on this other chunk of money. And uh, you, you've got stuff set aside. So, but to do that, I'm not going to go huge into this. We need to learn how to live simply, live within our means, and uh, get out of debt. And I won't get into a whole lot of that because we're going to cover that in a future week. Um, but as we incorporate some disciplines in our life, it helps us bear more fruit, help us be more generous, and uh, all that. So, those are the main things. I've got some questions that people sent in via email, but does anybody have any questions in here first before I keep going? 
Oh, come on. I have not answered this thing that thoroughly. Give me something good. Somebody. Give me a question. Money. Yeah, money, giving. Yeah, don't give me. How are we doing as a church? Like on giving? On finances? <laughs> okay. Uh, we're, we're really at the point where we're just about breaking even with what we needed to make to be self-sufficient. So we're, we're, uh, we're real close. You know, it's, I, I think we probably need to get a couple of months on our belt before we can say it's, it's actually the reality we're living in. But, yeah, our, our goal, and one thing I would say, even on the side of discipline, is a good rule for your life. The, a good place to start is, is 10, 10, 80. And that's uh, save 10% of what you make, give 10% of what you make, and live, live on the other 80%. If you can learn how to live in that, it sets you up to be in a good place. And I'd say one thing else, and, and that's what we're trying to do as a church. We're not there on the saving side yet. <laughs> but last month, we gave away probably more than 10% of what we brought in. And, and so what do we give to as a church? Well, we give a chunk of our money, 3% of what we bring in, we give to the National Vineyard Movement, which goes to church planning, goes to things they're doing in Haiti, missions, a whole bunch of other things. Um, but we also give to, to benevolent stuff here in our community, in, in our own church. And then we also just started uh, sending a little bit of support up to another church plant up in Fort Collins, a vineyard church up there that is about where we were about nine months ago. And so they're just now kind of stepping out. And so, hey, we said, hey, man, let's, let's, let's be a part of the good thing. So we're going to you know, help them for the next six months because I just know that when we started church planning, when, when some people stepped up and offered to help us, boy, that, that was a big deal. So we're doing good. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing good. That's not why. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I wanted, and, and I kind of wanted to wait to talk about money until we were doing good. You know, I didn't want it to be like. <laughs> and we're going to show the. the <laughs> uh, no, we're we're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah, that, I, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, I, because the way a lot of people have twisted the scripture is you sow money, you're going to get rich. <laughs> but but what, what, what Paul's getting at, what, what I think we see even in the life of Jesus, is that we sow, we sow our money is a spiritual thing in a sense, but we're, we're, so we're not just sowing money, we're sowing to the Spirit of God. We're giving. You know, Paul actually encourages us, whatever you do, do it to, to God. Do it to God. So... Uh, we do, we reap things. By being generous, by being open-handed, we reap uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the good things of God in our life. And, and that's, that's uh, you know, I know the song we opened up with was, you know, the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Uh, we laugh at that song, but because I think we all know that the intangibles are really what matters, right? It's love, it's relationships, it's peace, you know, it's your health. Those are, those are really cool things. But sometimes the way we live our lives shows that, that we're really looking to money. You know, we, you can tell me that you value something and that you care a lot about something. But you know what a good indicator with that would be is let me see your checkbook. Let me see your bank statement. Because that will really probably be a better indicator of what you value. It's, it's what, you're, what you spend your time on. So as we sow uh, into the things that we value, we do reap. We do reap from God spiritual blessings, and, and that that that's that's all I had to say about that. Yeah. 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 I I had somebody send in a question here. I'll get to some of the, you know. We'll we'll ask some more questions in a second. I may raise some questions. Somebody sent in a question via email the other day. Uh, should we tithe or why should we tithe? Uh, I didn't specifically mention tithing in here. I did mention that, that as a church, we want to try to give away 10%. But tithing, if you're a new Christian, if you have never heard the term, tithing is basically the practice of setting aside 10% of your income to, to give uh, on a regular basis. Um, that comes from the Old Testament. And that was under the Old Testament law. There was, 
that was basically the way they supported the the temple system. So the priest, the temple, all the stuff like that. Um, I think tithing can be a good good idea. I think certainly me and Dina, we set aside 10% of our income. I don't think there's a whole lot of, um, I don't think there's any evidence in the New Testament, though, that tithing was a, a big deal to the Christians. I, I think, now, hold that thought for a second, because I know some of you, if, if you've been in churches that talk about tithing, which is the common thing, and, and believe me, most of my friends in ministry really believe tithing is a New Testament thing. I just, as I study the Bible, I, I can't make that case. Paul, in all his letters to the churches, never once brings up tithing as, as an important thing. Now, Paul brought up giving. And what we see, what we see with, the, with the Old Testament is the first 10% of, of what you make is God's. What we see in the New Testament reality, everything you have is God's. So the New, Te- you know, the New Testament kicks it up. It's kind of like Peter asking, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven times? You know, show me the boundaries. Show me what law I have to follow, Jesus, so I can, I can know who's in the club. You know, I can know if I'm doing the thing right. Jesus says, not seven times, 70 times sevens. 70 times seven. So I'm, I'm sure Peter was going, 70 times seven, four, 490? Is that how many times? That's not what Jesus was getting at. Jesus is saying, the Old Testament had, you know, Jesus frequently does this with Old Testament laws. The Old Testament says, don't murder. I say, don't even hate people. (laughs) Don't be angry. The Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. I say, get that lust out of your heart. And I think the same could be said of giving, that that you look at the New Testament church, I mean, my God, they, they took everything they had, and they said, they considered it was God's. And I think that's the better attitude to have. Do I think tithing is a good practice? Yeah, I think, and, and honestly, I think if you live in America, <laughs> we are the most, I mean, in here, we could take the poorest person in this room, and that person would be middle class to upper class in 80% of the world right now. You know who the rich people are? It's us. You may not feel like you're rich. You may not be rich by American standards, but you're rich. You're unbelievably wealthy in the history of the world. There's never been a people as prosperous as us. And so if you live in America in a time that's so... Uh, incredibly blessed, I think the least we could shoot for is giving away 10%. I think if we can't get to a place of, uh, of shooting for 10%, then, then it may indicate that we're looking too much to money and material things in our lives to, uh, you know. So uh, do I believe in tithing? I believe in it, but I don't believe in it and as, as like a, a hard, fast, like to be a good Christian, you have to tithe. I believe you need to be generous. And, and many times that generosity is going to take you way beyond 10%. Many times it's going gonna, it's gonna to get uncomfortable for you. Sometimes it'll be sacrificial for you. So I think we all tend to, as Christians, though, we want to kind of just say, you know, what do I need to do here? Just tell me the, the least. I think 10% is a good place to start with. But again, I think saving money and also being willing that, that when you see a need, that, that you have lived in a disciplined way so you can actually meet that need. I can't tell you, the, the most frustrating thing to me is when God brings somebody into my life and there's this glaring need, and because I'm in debt <laughs> or because I haven't lived wisely with my money, I can't do anything to help that person. And so um, that's all i got to say about it. Any questions on that aspect? Okay. Do I have any other questions? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'll go to a couple more on the website here, real quick. Um, can you tithe to somebody other than the church? Is it okay to give to other ministries rather than the church? I think that's fine. I think it's okay to give to other people too. I do think there is a precedence if you if you feel called to a certain local expression of the church. I do think that 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 should take a precedence in your giving on a regular basis. But I, I'm not going to say that uh, if if there's some kind of I mean, we support a, a a kid with Compassion International. We give thirty bucks a month or something, something like that, uh, each month. Uh, and and there's there's other ministries that we've given to along the way too. Um, this question is too personal. Um, <laughs> what does the church do with the money that we bring in? Say, so, see, people are asking hard questions here. What does the church do? Well. Uh, you know, the, the, the amazing thing of being sent out as a church plant was, was kind of cool. Um, really, Kenner sent us out with an offering that, that really got us started. Like, you know, 
didn't didn't need to worry about anything. So we we've used the money to do some some updates on the facility, get things, fund our coffee budget around here. We drink a lot of coffee. Uh, back in the fall, we were able to do Alpha and provide free food for everybody that came out, a jazz band to kick the whole thing off, uh, do things in the community. So th- part of our money goes to the administration of it um, and, and taking and running the thing. But then I would like to see a point where as a church where we're not just given 10% of what we bring in. I'd like to see us give 30%, 40% of what we bring in. I, don't, I want us to live simply as a church, you know, that, that we're not about just making a bigger nicer building with more stuff. I want us to be the church and, and be the, the expression of Christ to the community around us. So I, I always want us to, to be going that direction. Anybody got any hard questions? Come on. There's one. You're, you're referring to your business that you, you run? Okay, yeah. Like, like, how can you live in? How can you live in two worlds? One that that values simplicity and generosity, and then one that is kind of dominated by, you got to survive as a business, and and you live in a world that is dominated by greed and things like that. How, how do you live in that tension within your own heart? Yeah, right. Is it okay to want your business to succeed? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's a great question. I, I think. I put a, I think I put something in your outline there, a quote from, uh, I believe it was Martin Luther, who said, uh, make as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. Money itself is not uh, so much the issue. Actually, I want to read one thing, and I'm going to get to your question here in a second. Where did I put this thing? I thought I put it somewhere. You know, I grabbed the wrong set of notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have a book out there called Heroic Leadership. It was rich, written by a guy named Chris Lowney. He was a Jesuit uh, priest for like 20 years, and he stepped out of that role to be one of the higher-up guys at J.P. Morgan years ago. This was not when all the corruption happened. Uh, but he, he, he really was able to apply a lot of stuff he learned in the Jesuit ministry on running this Fortune 500 company. And one of the things he brings up is that in the Jesuits, they kind of uh, have this idea of indifference towards money. Money itself, not a good thing, not a bad thing. They try to be indifferent to it, you know. But that frees them up to use it however they can for the purposes of God. And I think that that's a great strategy to take into our, uh, into our, our, our personal lives and even in our business. Now, now is it bad to want to, to wanna make money? I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I do think the tyranny of making money can choke your life. Jesus says that, that he talks about the parable of the sower. He said one of the conditions of soil is that the cares of the world and the desire for money springs up. And what's it do? It chokes out what God was doing. And so I think even in a business like that, learning how to be generous in your personal finances, I think that, that begins freeing you up. I, I was talking to a friend last week. He said... He did not grow up in a giving family. They were not generous with their money. He was not taught to, to set aside money. And uh, years ago at the Kinner Vineyard, they, they offered this, uh, what was it, no tithe, tithe money back guarantee kind of thing. Basically, was it like three months or six months? I, I need to refresh my course. Basically, they said, hey, if you're not giving on a regular basis and you want to try it, you can fill out this little form. And if in three or six months you don't feel like your life is, is more blessed... <laughs> Not necessarily money-wise, but if, if you don't feel like your heart's in a better place, then we'll give you your money back. And, and, and hey, I, I'd say we'll even do the same thing around here. If you haven't ever given before and you want to take us up on that, we'll, we'll be glad to do that. But he said he tried that for the first time. He's like, wow, you know, I, I've never been a giver, but I'm going to try this. And he said, you know what happened? He said, all of a sudden, the stress in his marriage over finances 
began to lessen. You ever notice that money's kind of stressful in, in marriages? Situations about, they say most, most fights in marriages have to do with money and financial issues. As he began to, to consistently give of his income, now, now they began to experience a peace and, and, and a trust knowing that God was going to take care of it all. So I think, I think that spills over into the business aspect is, you know, you got to do certain, you got to be wise as a business owner and you got to make decisions based on the bottom line and stuff like that. But I think more even in your, in your personal life saying, you know, God, I want to live with open hands. I want to be generous with, with, with what I have right here and trust, trust you. Cause I got to tell you, that's, that's the only thing that sustains me through a lot of times. There's been some times that look absolutely crazy. Like me and Dina, we're not going to make it. We we're going to be homeless, but God always came through. And I think that, that we could get in those times and still have peace because we just kept being generous. So I hope I answered that a little bit. Any other questions? There's one in the back. Yeah, okay, the first fruits idea. It kind of comes from the Old Testament when they actually brought fruit uh, and vegetables. That a lot, you know, actually tithing in the Old Testament, a lot of it had nothing to do with money. It was actually produce. You would bring your grain, your, your, you'd bring the first part. You'd consider that, that's God's. And, and certainly, I think that's where it gets to a, I don't think we need to be legalistic on that aspect that, like, you have to take the first 10%. But I'm saying, if you don't budget for giving, if you don't put that in your budget, you're not going to have anything left to give at the end of the month. So uh, whether you have to say, you know, I, I, I gave to God before I paid my electric bill, I, I don't think we need to get legalistic about that. But I do think you need to, be to, to, to budget and, and, to, and to, to make sure that you give while you have money <laughs> and not just assume that once you pay it all, you'll still have it. that answer it good? Okay. Did I answer good? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, okay. I, I will say this too. Uh, Malachi three seventeen. Oh, somebody knows it. Somebody's heard that one before. Uh, <laughs> back when 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 Dina and I were in church one time, and I really began to wrestle with the issue of money. Uh, the pastor gets up and says, "The scripture from Malachi, which is, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how did we rob you?" In tithes and offerings, this is God speaking. You were cursed. You were under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you were robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you cannot have enough room to contain it. Um, I've heard that for years is kind of the justification of why we need to give our tithes to the church. But again, I think as a good if we're looking at, if we're studying the Bible well, if we're good students of the Bible, we have to understand, we have to take that in its context. That was talking about a priestly system that God had set up under the old covenant, and it was basically a temple tax. And we brought that 10% of the first fruits to God under that covenant. I think the new covenant, I don't think we can make that stretch. I actually, I'd heard this message years ago, and I finally told Dina, I was so fed up of getting 30-minute messages on <laughs> beating us up, making us feel guilty about giving every week. I finally said, babe, we're not tithing for a year. I don't think we're going to be cursed. Because that, that was the typical thing. You want to give so you can be blessed or not cursed. I was like, we're not going to tithe. And she freaked out. She started crying. She's like, we're going to be cursed. I was like, <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we lived under that for so long. It, 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 but I just like, I can't, I don't believe that's what the Bible's saying. I'm not trying to be rebellious, but I just, I'm trying to be a good student of the Bible. And I just don't believe that's what it's saying. And so, you know what? We didn't stop giving, but we stopped giving out of guilt. And we started inviting God into it. We started saying, God, what are you saying? How, what are you doing here? What, how can you be Lord of our finances this month? You know, a lot of times we were giving to the church. But you know what? We found people in the church. We found a, a guy that was a mentally disabled guy. He'd been going without electricity for weeks. And so we paid his, his electric bill. We found another couple, a new couple. They were several months behind on their electric bill. We, we paid a lot of electric bills over a period of time. 
And this is at a point where we were not making much money. Let me tell you that. We were not, we were not super rich like we are now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but sometimes we buy groceries for people or diapers for, for, for moms, whatever. We began asking God, show us. Our, our intention was not to be greedy or not give. Our intention was to give, but to give out of our relationship with God and invite him to it. And, dude, that was a wonderful thing. For a year, we just we started asking God. And, man, you, you know, you get God involved in that process, and you're, you're, you're in relationship. It's amazing. And you know what? God kept opening up opportunity after opportunity. And, and like I said, some months it was 10%. Some months it was 20 or 30%. We didn't put a limit on it anymore. We took the limits off and said, God, just help us to be as generous as we can be with what you've given us. That's a fun way to live. That's an amazing, freeing way to live. And, and I tell you, no longer was I doing this just so we couldn't be cursed. <laughs> Have you ever given just because you don't want to be cursed? That <laughs> I began realizing I'm as blessed as I'm ever going to get. I'm, I'm never going to be cursed because I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. And now I'm free. I am free to be generous just the way as Jesus was generous to me. Oh, I'm, I'm about to preach now. <laughs> uh, do we have any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's the point. You know, that, that's where the, the, the tension between discipline of giving and the response of it. You know, when I play music, I played a gig for about a year with a jazz band in New Orleans. And I'd never played jazz in my life. I don't read music. So I had to play it by ear. Very hard to do. And uh, I think the frustrating thing was because... I hadn't learned how to read music, and I hadn't spent the time practicing. It was really hard. It was, it was not a fun gig a lot of time. It took me a long time to be comfortable with these songs because I had to learn them by ear. And learning jazz songs by ear, if you're a musician, not as easy as learning rock songs by ear. <laughs> and, uh, but the whole point is that, that the more that I would invest my life into the disciplines of practicing music, the more it freed me up to do music in the moment. See, the disciplines of practicing, the disciplines of the way we live our lives, they free us up to respond the way God wants us to respond. If we're not living disciplined, then you're not going to have anything when you're called upon. I can't tell you how frustrating it is as a musician that I get in a song and I'm just, I'm sweating, I'm nervous, I can't play it, and and I can't be free to to contribute anything to that song. (laughs) I'm just trying to not look like a fool. But boy, when I've invested the time in learning the songs and, and the discipline of, of practicing it and getting it to where I don't even have to look at the page, I'm free to express that song and add to it and, and join with it and, and, and improvise with it. And I think that's the point of where God's getting with discipline. We discipline ourselves not so we can just be like, you know, boring people who are always disciplined, uh, but so that we can be freed up. And, and I think that the disciplines make it to where, you know, when I first started singing and playing guitar or singing and playing piano, it was really hard and it took a lot of thought. But now, do I think about it when I'm playing and singing? No. Why? Because I've done it so much. It's natural now. And I think that's what we're getting at. Naturally supernatural. You do something by discipline initially, but pretty soon it becomes natural. You don't think about it. You see a need and your knee-jerk reaction is not greed, but now your knee-jerk reaction is, Meet the need. Give. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, the more you get to know Jesus, you, you, yeah. A- again, it's not a, when I say we respond to a generous God, it's not a one-time response. You, you keep you keep seeing layers and layers of God's generosity and his layers of his love and his compassion towards you and you respond in turn on a regular basis. <laughs> have I answered all the questions that have ever been asked? Needed. I don't think we have time to do any worship. Uh, like I said, uh, any worship, uh, any singing songs here at the end. 
we could take one more if there's one more. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. I will say this. If, if you are not currently giving on a consistent basis and you'd like to try giving for six months, I did have somebody in the church say that he would, he would financially back me on this promise. Uh, we will let you sign up and just for our six months money back guarantee if you don't feel <laughs> like something's changed within you in six months for the better. Like I said, it may not be more money. It may be grace. It may be like what, Paul, uh, what, what, um, what Al was talking about, the spiritual blessings of God. Why don't you all stand and let's, uh, let's close with a, a word of prayer. Lord, we, uh, we just are so grateful for your generosity, for your compassion, for your unfailing love. God, you bless us in, in, in so many ways that we can't even comprehend, Lord. And God, we stand here today as people who have been blessed in Jesus, marked by your love. God, change us on the inside. Help us to be generous just as you've been generous to us. Change our hearts, God. We open up our hands. We open up our hearts. God, we say that everything that we have, everything, all our money, our cars, our houses, our kids, our spouses, God, everything is yours. God, you don't just get 10%, you get it all. And help us to live in that reality. Help us to be generous with whatever you have poured into our lives. That the world may see that we're your followers, that the world may see that we're marked by Jesus, that the world may want to taste you. God, we just ask that in Jesus' name today. Amen. I know it was a long talk today, hopefully helpful, but uh, we'll have... uh,